Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance podcast. Uh, we are in the studio once again, and we actually have a friend of the show, Kobe Britton, who was uh, introduced to you last week. So, Kobe, you're here with us again. How's it going? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> we we didn't get so much hate mail. It's it's more that we just didn't kick you out of the studio after the last episode. <laughs> We're just like, yeah, just stick around. I've just, just been I've been sleeping. Just been sleeping here. How are you doing, Chris? I I can't complain. Just living the dream here. So some summers be. Okay, so this is where I'm going with this. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, some of our opening stuff. Uh, just get through some housekeeping items. Uh, you can find us at rebelalliancemedia.com. You can find us on Facebook. We would encourage you, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes, just go over and rate us. Uh, write us a review. It helps us tremendously. Uh, any podcast catcher that you're using, uh, subscribe. And uh, if you're seeing these posts on Facebook, uh, just share them to your own feed. Help expand our audience a little bit. And uh, also head over and see some of our friends at the Berean Media Network, uh, the Two Thieves podcast, the Layman's Cup podcast, and the Front Pew, all uh, friends and all uh, part of the Berean Media Network together. So thankful to be a part of that group and so thankful. And and actually, I, I just some of our uh, BMN brothers who are listening to this, you can get in on this conversation as well because this is we came into the studio arguing already because Chris is wrong about something and he hasn't admitted it yet. So your question was, is Summers be a real beer? Now, last time we talked to Sean, it was 98 degrees down there. So I'm sure they're drinking lots of Summers Bee. I'm not knocking you for <laughs> drinking Summers Bee. I could, but I won't. Instead, I'm just going to say it's not a real beer. It's clearly not a real beer. And I don't even, I don't think there's a defense for this. It's it's absolutely a beer. It comes in a can. I buy it in the beer so store. So Coke. That's a good point. And so, I can buy, I can buy Summers Bee at the grocery store now. So I can buy beer. Argument. I can buy Coors at the grocery store yeah, now. Yeah, but Coors is a not beer. Not that I would barely. drive. <laughs> barely. Nice. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not a beer. It's totally a beer. The only difference, the only difference between Summers Bee and any of the other beers that you get there, like Bud Light Lime or any of that stuff, is that I can put ice in it. That's the only difference. No, if you not, can put ice in it, then it's not a beer. That That's a good point. But it's... It, it's it's a cooler. That's what I'm gonna say. It's a cooler. It's, it's like it's cooler. like you're drinking a Smirnoff ice. I think that's the best explanation I've ever I've ever heard. Yeah. It's a cooler that they branded so that they could get guys to. All drink right, it. all right. Here we, here that's we go. That's exactly what it is. That it is a cooler that they put in a can so that guys like you who would be drinking coolers instead of beers can drink it and not feel emasculated. <laughs> here, here's what we're doing here. <laughs> not feel less. I googled it. Is Summers be a beer? The internet never lies. I've been told. Oh, is this Lord. true? Is this true? I don't know. Uh, well, um, it depends on you know Al Gore and what you're reading. He lies. Yeah, doesn't it say that in Leviticus? <laughs> I don't know. I just, <laughs> what Gore. did Google tell you? Al, the first thing Google says when I ask is Summers be a beer, it says an apple beer drink in Poland and Quebec. Carlsberg uses Summers. No, notice brand. what it said though. Apple, an apple, apple beer. beer drink. Yeah, it's, it's an apple a, beer drink. That's like that's like uh, you it know. It says beer. That. No, you, you, you know that story where they always talk about how McDonald's beef is called 100% beef, even though it's not real beef? I know it's just an old wives' tale, but this is what's going on here. They're calling it a beer drink, not beer. If it was beer, they would say it's an apple beer. It's but they called it an apple it's beer cider. drink. It's, it's summer's beside cider. I'm going to say that the cider. fact that the first thing that comes up is a defense in its name when I search well is Rickards, well is Rickards Red a beer, and all that comes up is information about the calorie count in Rickards Red mm. is basically the argument and then does summers be a beer there's a bunch of apologists who are are sitting there saying no no it is totally a beer you guys just don't understand okay let me let me just defend myself a little bit i okay just on the like i don't want 
people have seen the video podcast. They've seen the glorious beard. They've seen the big <laughs> rugged, handsome guy that I am. So I, and then they're going to be like, I we know he drinks his coffee black. So like, <laughs> why is he drinking summers? Me? Let me throw it out here. Let me, let me clarify what's going on here in my head. Okay. I like drinks either very warm, like coffee or ice cold to the point where it hurts my teeth. And to be honest, in the summer, you go get a craft beer. That thing is not staying cold. I either have to chug it and then I have to get another one because I need to drink constantly. Like I, I am a thirsty man. <laughs> I have to have like, I already drank three bottles of water since we've started talking. Like I have to be drinking constantly. It's really but, weird when you're talking and pouring it in your mouth at the same time. Why do you think I always sound like I have something in my mouth? <laughs> uh, but so Summersby allows me the ability to drink the beer, air quotes, that I want to be drinking well, putting the appropriate amount of ice. You've seen me drink water, Nate. I'm pointing at you. This is bad for radio. You've seen how much ice I put in water. I put it's all the too way much, to the top. Too much. It's all the way. I'll, I'll empty a tray There's into a glass. There's only a couple ounces of water in there. That's because the ice melts into more liquid. It's a self-fulfilling drink for a while. Um, so what you're saying is that you can put that much ice in a summer's bee. Yes. And then because I can you, just, you like having your, your beer drink watered down. Well, no, no, no. It's it's more about the cold the cold factor. I'm still going to drink the summer's bee as fast, but as I drink it, it stays the right temperature, one which of, is ice cold. One of my fears here is the amount that you're talking about how much you like summer's bee and beer might get us kicked out of the BMN because they're all Baptists. Oh, boy. Um, summer's bee is a non-alcoholic drink. <laughs> yeah. um, in Canada, in, in fairness, in Canada... Baptists are allowed to drink? Is that am I right in this? I feel like that's all of, right. All of our Baptist friends drink, so I feel like being I think you have to drink to be a Baptist, don't you? It's dancing you're not allowed to do. <laughs> <laughs> like beer is fine. You just how, can't. How dance. long have you guys been in this podcast co-op? Because I don't not know that this is gonna not long enough to be like not long enough. I feel like they could just out. not mention so, this podcast anymore. And did I lose this argument? Is this absolutely well, there's two of us there's you spent a long time defending yourself, and I don't think I heard anything that made me believe you. Greg, I feel like Greg Bonson said, if you give an atheist enough rope and let him talk, eventually he'll hang himself. And I feel like if, if you give a Summersby drinker enough rope and just let him defend himself, he'll eventually hang himself, which I think you've done. <laughs> I think, I think I actually agree, which is weird for me um, to think I lost an argument, but I'm not going to give up the fight yet. If you're listening to this podcast, we have comment section underneath <laughs> hit us back. I'll put a poll and the three of you that listen, I will, I will be very interested to know what you think. It'll be awkward when it comes back two to one again. Yeah. <laughs> we need a fourth listener. Yeah. Um, Basically, okay. I'm asking Jude and Chris Stanish. <laughs> yeah, not our wives. Um, okay, so let's let. I, I was going to say let's bring this down to our actual conversation today, but that's not what I want to do yet because I want to ask you guys if you have seen the Justice League trailer. I have not seen it. You haven't seen it? I have not seen it. Do, have you I, seen it, Kobe? I have. Looks, yes. And it looks, how, how good does it look? It it looks very good. I'm cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Yes. That's a pretty good... Yes. Now, see, you and I, unlike the rest of the internet, uh, didn't mind Superman versus Batman. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah, it was yeah. okay. Did you like it, Chris? I haven't actually seen it yet. Oh, wow. Um, I'm shocked by that. Uh, yeah. I, 
I don't have it on. It's not on Netflix yet. Yeah, yeah. That's so, that's, that's, that's that's real. Although uh, I Rogue One just got dropped on Netflix. Did you see that? I definitely I did, watched I it. The watch night that it came out. I had to search it. it. Wasn't on the front. I know. Front isn't thing. that I had weird? To go, it like, wasn't like on uh, recently or trending yeah, or anything like yeah. that. It was under sci-fi for yeah. or something. Uh, you know? But yeah, I definitely watched that. I like that more than The Force Awakens. I think. I, I think agree it holds more. up. I, I couldn't agree more. I um, Force Awakens didn't age well. It, what I mean by that is like after you watch it and you walk out of there, there's the nostalgia of, oh, I'm watching Star Wars. But yeah. as you think about it, you're like, oh, this was the exact same plot as the first one. Um, oh, spoiler alert. Oh, they did kill the most iconic <laughs> Star Wars character ever. Yeah. Um, in a lame way, let's be honest. In a lame yeah. way. Here's the here's the rule in Star Wars, by the way. Um, if any of you ever find yourself in the Star Wars universe, don't go and confront anybody on a suspended bridge with nothingness underneath it. It always ends badly. Yeah, the data you. points to that not being a good idea. <laughs> the rule that, I never understood about Star Wars, sorry to cut you off there, Cubs, no. um, is they have all of this technology, yet they don't put railings up. Have you ever noticed there's like, there's like all of these bridges with like I could just fall like there's no, like like even in the very first movie it's just like Luke and Leia run into the same there's this bridge that's just not out all the time what what's coming up this shaft that I this mean, bridge can't be out in the, or or even a holographic bridge how is this not possible I, I mean, can travel I, 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 I feel like what you're seeing is that the the Empire doesn't put a lot of value on individuals. Their HR department needs yeah. to go. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that a, a Death Star built by slaves would have a really great HR department. I, I feel like it might be lax. But the pyramids were built by slaves, and I feel like they're way safer oh, than like, walking around the Death Star. I don't want to get into this. This is not the topic of our conversation. <laughs> um, so, side note on Star Wars and the lack of technology. So, you're right. So, we can have lightsabers, we can fly in spaceships, we can travel at light speed, and yet there's no cell phones. So like, so Leia says to Han, hey, go confront your son, who's like the second most evil person who's ever existed in the galaxy, um, and, uh, and tell him to come home, because <laughs> that's going to turn out well for you. And then Han has to, instead of just calling him on his cell phone or like messaging him on Facebook and saying, hey, let's go find a coffee at like, you know, on some like star planet off to wherever, he has to go and confront him on his death planet where all the people who work for him are trying to kill him. Well, you see what happened is that's horrible. They would have had cell phones, but they were all made on Alderaan. Right? Fair enough. Alderaan, Alderaan, Alderaan was Alderaan's the, like, like like China. Like if all if like it, it that's where all the t all the hardware was made and it all just got destroyed. That's right. Okay. This, this shows my uh, tech uh, knowledge because I was about to say Hamilton with. Uh, uh, um, rim. <laughs> yeah, they don't. Right. Make yeah, they don't do stuff anything anymore. anymore. Yeah, I think they anymore. make like bad software. Well, they made that's pretty much they it. made bad smartphones for a long time too. So there you go. Yeah. All right, so I brought up a picture of the Justice League just to <laughs> to see who the people are that are playing. Who's playing the Flash? Who's that guy? Do we know who this? I guy have is? no idea who that guy is now. He's just a guy. He's. A, I think he's been on TV shows. He's been. He's, is he the guy on the TV show? No. No, he's not the guy on the TV show. I thought you were going to bring up the fact that all three of our wives are um, looking forward to Justice League. For the first time, our wives are looking forward to a superhero movie because of who's playing Aquaman. I thought you were going to bring that up. Yeah, that was, I, I, I was going to say that's an awkward I had conversation. To make, I had to make peace that. with the fact that Rebecca's very excited by Jason Momoa being in a in a film. He has got a great beard. I wonder if he's reformed. He's just not fair. He must be reformed. He's yeah, just he's just cool. not fair. That's not cool. He's no. one of those one of those guys that was just it just worked out for him. <laughs> you know, all the stars aligned. All the, all the stars. He's like Samson. He's just like perfect physically. 
Um, that sounded weird. That did sound weird. Yeah, that sounded weird. Before our conversation digresses into any more awkwardness. Yeah, we wouldn't want to get awkward. Yeah, says the guy who, uh, I, never mind. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about what we're actually going to talk about today. Um, our last few episodes, we've been talking about uh, just some uh, practical Christian living uh, topics. So we talked about prayer and we got some advice from Martin Luther on how to improve our prayer life. Uh, we talked about how to overcome uh, anxiety and fear and worry. And so we thought today uh, we would take the opportunity to talk about another topic that's come up quite a bit with some of our listeners as they're asking some practical questions, and that is um, bitterness and forgiveness. And uh, and uh, uh, one of the questions that came in was, uh, you know, Jesus tells us to love our enemies. What does that look like? And I think forgiveness is tied into that. So we're going to talk about this big issue. And just as we wade into the conversation, let me just, who, wherever you are, whoever's listening to this, think about this just for a minute. When, when the topic of forgiveness comes up, who is it? Or what situation is it that comes to your mind? It seems to me uh, like in the church uh, and in in uh, in our lives, there's there are so many unresolved issues. Um, you know, li- life can be tough, and people have all, are coming from all kinds of different backgrounds. There are um, all you have to do is watch the movie Lost and recognize that everybody has daddy issues, <laughs> right? Everybody has issues with their families and their parents. Um, but uh, but realistically speaking, um, you know there there's a lot of hurt and and so as Christians who are called to do life together within a church family, recognizing how many people's biological families hurt them <laughs> in the church, uh, we're, this is unavoidable. Uh, where there's going to be hurt, there's going to be um, wronged uh, people, there's going to be uh, issues with forgiveness and bitterness and, and all that kind of stuff. So we're just going to wade into this this topic, and uh, and I guess I'll just uh, pose the question to to you guys um, in terms of in terms of forgiveness. Um, you know what makes forgiveness so hard? Well, first off, it's it part of it why it's so hard is that we have a nat- like a natural want to be right. So when somebody wrongs us. I want them to to suffer the con- the consequences for mm. their actions against me, even though I know that I've done tons of bad things myself that need forgiveness. The first thought that comes to mind is that this person needs to be punished for what they've done to me. Right. So naturally, the fir- bef- before I get to forgiveness, I have to I deal with this whole point of the fact that I, I want them to be blamed for their mistake first. Right. Yeah, it's not an attack on you, I'm about to say it's more general, uh, is, is it's, it's, uh, it requires you to, um, admit that you could be partially wrong too. And that, uh, um, God forgave you when you weren't right. And so you need to try to do that, which is a hard thing to do. Right. I think, um, so the verse that, um, I know you guys have your Bibles up there, so uh, one of the verses that I wanted to kind of walk through, I think Romans 12 talks about this. Um, So uh, Romans 12, verse 14, it says, uh, Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. So immediately we're talking about um, those who persecute you, we're talking about people who are wronging you, people who are hurting you. Uh, it says, uh, bless them and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. This is a key verse here in, in verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. 
And I think that's kind of one of our first reactions whenever we're wronged. So, you know, we're, we're kind of talking about this broadly, but for our listeners, you can think about this very specifically. Um, you know who it is that you struggle to forgive, whether it's um, issues with your family, uh, issues with your spouse, issues with a, a boss or a coworker uh, who you constantly feel like you are uh, opposing in some way. And this is a very clear command from Paul, right? Don't repay evil for evil. And, and yet that's our first reaction. And uh, for those of us who are married, we know that somebody that we love a lot can uh, be the person who, as soon as we feel wronged in any way, we can immediately lash out. It, you hurt me, I hurt you. And anybody who works in their church nursery sees on a regular basis the depravity of man as, you know, a child <laughs> hits one child and immediately the reaction is hit back, right? That's the, that's the first instinct. And we still have that as adults a lot of times. Somebody says something hurtful to us, it is, it's, it's the first thing on the tip of our tongue is to lash out, is to, is to say something mean back. You hurt me, I hurt you. And this is exactly what Paul's saying. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Um, yeah, Colossians 3.13 says, Bear with each, each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So the implication there is that forgiveness is a choice, that it's, it's something you have to decide to do which will be motivated by your obedience to God, right? Right. You're, you're choosing to forgive somebody because God has forgiven you first, and so he's modeled that to you, so you should model that to others. Right. And I mean, it's not just, it's not just forgiveness. It's, it's like, I mean, it, in Matthew 18, 21, 22, it's uh, when Peter comes to Jesus, he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus, and I, I just like the answer, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, which is just the most like, not, there's not a limit on this. This is, this is not a thing where you go, oh, well, you've, you've sinned too many times. I can't forgive you anymore. It's not, it's almost like Jesus trying to go, knowing what's going to happen, kind of saying like, you guys, you still don't get it, do you? It's not, there's no, there's no limit. Otherwise you're in a lot of trouble here, guys. It's, yes. it's, you have to be able to accept that, that forgiveness isn't about getting even. It's not an eye for an eye. It's, Sometimes it's the only way to move forward because otherwise you just you're con it would be destructive, just sinful, destructive, like you're saying, Chris. And I, so I think uh, there's a couple points there that I'd like to kind of pull out and talk about each one individually. So um, where, Romans 12, we were kind of going through it, and verse 18 it says, "If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all, beloved. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, 'Vengeance is mine; I will repay,' says the Lord." And, and then it goes on to actually say, uh, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. So one of the first things that we recognize about what forgiveness is, is, is it's a surrender to um, revenge, right? It's, it's surrendering your right to revenge. And I think that's, that's one of the things that's kind of at the heart of unforgiveness is a desire to have somebody, as you were saying earlier, Chris, get what's coming to them, right? So, so the first thing that we're saying uh, forgiveness is, is surrendering your right for revenge. Um, and that, and that's, a, that's a hard thing to do, right? We all have kind of this internal sense of justice that gets amplified when we're the ones at the center of it, when we're <laughs> the ones who have been wronged. And so um, forgiveness is first and foremost surrendering our right for revenge on whatever it is that we've been wronged over. Yeah, so we, we can look at it like a little bit, Again, if we just play out that scenario that we, we've talked about in previous episodes as well, that when we're taking these actions, we have to think, 
do I really believe what I say? I believe. I believe God is sovereign. I believe his word is infallible. So when he says in his word that judgment is his, I have to surrender my revenge, my want to revenge to him. And then I have to have the faith that in his sovereignty, that will happen. That right. whatever that looks like will be carried out. So it's not up to me to do that. And so we we forgive by essence then by faith. So when we take the step to forgive somebody, we're doing that on on obedience out of God in faith in him, that he is the just God. And I think that's very helpful and very helpful for us to start thinking about in a practical way when, because to be honest, we, we have things that need to be forgiven around us all the time, right? Right. Like, I do things that need to be, I drink Summersby, that needs to be forgiven by you guys. Yes, it does. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and, so, and I'm not there yet. I'm, I'm, I'm working on it. I just want more <laughs> prayer to get there. It's the unpardonable sin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but like what I'm saying is like forgiveness is a faith issue, right? When yeah. we when we take forgiveness and we display that and we actually can forgive each other, it shows that we have faith in what we've been commanded to believe and to then to live. Yeah, and it's a, it's a faith thing, right? So it, in terms of individual forgiveness, though, as we as we kind of come back to to this on a very practical level, um, we're, uh, we're talking about. Um, surrendering our right for revenge. And then, uh, Kobe, you brought up a really good point and, and Chris, you kind of, uh, jumped, jumped on it is, uh, that we are essentially called to forgive because we've been forgiven. So if we say that the first step to cultivating forgiveness in our lives is to surrender our right for revenge, um, the way that that happens, the way that we can become okay with surrendering our right for revenge is by the recognition that because of God's mercy towards us, we can have mercy towards others. And so you're talking about this when, uh, you know, Jesus is asked by the disciples, should I forgive seven times? And he says, no, I, I tell you 70 times seven. He tells this parable, right, about a guy who's, who's uh, essentially owes the king like a billion dollars. It's a, it's a ridiculous amount, would have been ridiculous in the story. And, uh, and he gets forgiven and pardoned. And then he goes and, and strangles a fellow servant who owes him like a week's wage. Um, and there's a lot that we can learn from that story. Uh, number one, um, the recognition that because I've been forgiven so much, I should be the kind of person who is ready and quick to forgive. Um, and then the second thing we notice in the story, I, I've heard some pastors who, who talk about how, you know, this guy was, was forgiven this, this unbelievable debt and then he throttled the guy for, you know, for pennies. Well, it, it's actually, it's not pennies. If you kind of do the, the conversion, you look at, you know, how much money that was at the time. It's like a week or two weeks wage. Um, some scholars kind of disagree on that, but somewhere between a week and a month's wage. I don't know about you, but I, I, I don't like, you know, if somebody owed me a month's wage, that would be to forgive them. That debt would cost me something. And so I think mm -hmm. the point of the parable here is that forgiveness costs. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely it's right. It's sacrifice again. Yeah. You, you, it's the sacrifice that's the core tenant of all this. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, I totally agree. I think, uh, I think a lot of the difficulty around forgiveness for Christians is, not so much not understanding what we've been forgiven. It's just the the idea is like there's myths to what forgiveness actually is. And like, so some of those myths would be like forgiveness isn't saying that that, that person didn't owe me money. It's not pretending that it never happened. Right. It's not, it's letting it go, taking the onus off of the revenge. And the, in the example you guys were giving, like you don't have to pay me back. You know what I mean? Like I'm not saying I'm ever going to lend you money again. But you don't have to pay me back, right? right? So the myth there would be that 
that whatever the offender did didn't actually affect you. Right. You know I mean, like, and that's not what forgiveness is. That's a good point. Um, and forgiveness also means that you then have to trust that person with the exact same thing again. And that's not what forgiveness is. Right. So again, using the analogy of the money, if I lent you a month's worth of wage, you didn't pay me back. I can forgive you that debt, but I'm, probably unlikely to give you a month's <laughs> worth of wage again. Right. You know what I mean? Until you, like I might, if you've earned it later and or right. something, but I'm unlikely to probably give you another loan right away. Right. right. And so that, that, uh, the, I guess the myth that you're dispelling there is essentially this idea that if we forgive somebody, we're telling them that what they did wasn't that big of a deal, but that's not the forgiveness that we've experienced from God. God doesn't say, and this is actually a major issue. This yeah. is a stumbling block for non-Christians because they'll they'll look at themselves and they say, "Well, I'm I'm a pretty good guy. It's easy for God to just, you know, you're not Hitler, you're not, you know, whatever. You're not you're not a murderer, um, or I'm not a murderer. So you know, God will forgive me. I, I'm not as bad as so and so is always the the excuse, right? That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that our sin is is heinous before God. That it's that it's offensive to God. Um, and yet he still forgives us. So it's not that if, if the truth is, if, if our sins weren't a big deal, right? If, 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 uh, if it was easy for God to forgive us, then Jesus wouldn't have had to die, right? But our, our sins caused Christ's death to be necessary, a necessary component to God's forgiveness that it needed punishment, just not on us, right? So, so when we forgive somebody, we're not saying that what they did isn't uh, isn't a big deal. It might be a very big deal, but what we're saying is that we've been forgiven of a great deal, and therefore we can turn around and forgive others. Yeah, yeah. and I, sorry, sorry, Chris. Oh, I, I, I think it's I think it's hard because we want the world to be fair, right? And I don't think that that's. I actually think that it, the the Bible God does not promise a fair world by any means. Uh, and I, I like, uh, I'm, I'm actually taking this from, um, Rebecca's dad, something I think he used to say to them, uh, if, do you want me to deal with you on the basis of what is fair and not fair? I think he right. said this to them when they were kids and it was just that, you know, that we want the world to be fair when it's in our favor. So I think that fairness one of, from my perspective, yeah, fairness from <laughs> my perspective, it's only, but I, you only want it to be fair when things don't work out for you. And I think a hard part about forgiveness is that admitting um, that God promised salvation, not pleasure right? In, in this world. And that we admitting to ourselves that that doesn't mean that the world's going to be fair and that, and that uh, because we're faithful to God that life is going to be easy. I think it gets to the really the root of those things. I mean, what we were saying, what I was reading about Peter, it's this like, well, how, ma- how many times am I supposed to forgive somebody, Jesus? I mean, come on, like I'm being a good guy here. Jesus is just, it's not, it's not about that. Yeah. Um, and you're missing the point. And I think that that's maybe difficult to do. I know it's hard for me at, at work. It's hard for us at work as a company to sometimes be better. We, I try to make us better um, when we deal with companies on the outside of ours. Um, sometimes they can be less than upfront or mm-hmm. <laughs> good with the way that they do business. Um, and it's hard not to want revenge. And in the corporate world, it can be, you can, you could take a long time and be very methodical about the way you do revenge. And I'm, I can admit that I've thought and talked with our, (laughs) with the, the owner of like, well, here's how we could do this. It's really hard to just say, but we could be better than that. 
and right. what's it what's it going to get us and right. why don't we just move on world's not fair so um yeah one of the things that that made me think of um when you're when you're saying that you want me to to deal with you on the basis of fairness and that's i mean every christian should hear that and and it should hit us hard because if god gave us what was fair we'd we'd all be in hell yeah. and so um the the fact that uh, we've received grace is uh is not fair yeah, Keller, Keller puts it like, I, I can't remember what book or what sermon I listened to, but Keller put it like, if you think of the least significant thing you've ever done wrong in your life, one little white lie, one thing where you've, you know, said to somebody they looked nice that day when they didn't or anything, like something even that meaningless, that sin to a perfectly holy and blameless God is enough that God had no choice but to send his son to die for right. it. When we when you start thinking about fairness, you like you were saying, Nate, what you were saying, Kobe, like you have to remember that fairness is that he wipes, like that God wipes out the earth and just gives up on all of us. Right. Yeah. Christians are the ones that yeah. don't get what we deserve. Right. You know what I mean? Like the, it was it was fair when God destroyed the world with a flood. It yeah. was not fair that he spared Noah and his family. And yes. so the unfairness in that regard uh is the the unfairness of God's mercy. And yeah. that's a scandalous and, and wonderful and beautiful thing. Exactly. And when you and once you grasp that, forgiveness becomes a it puts a totally different spin on on it, right? Yeah. You don't have to like I was, we were talking about myths. The other myth of forgiveness is that you have to understand the, why the person hurt you in the first place. Hmm. And it's, you don't, you, your, your role in forgiveness is to realize that you're just as guilty as every, as everybody else. Here's mercy right. because yeah. God yeah. has shown you grace and mercy. Um, Kobe, one of the last things you said was, uh, in relating it to your work and to business, you said, you know, uh, instead of taking revenge or instead of, um, harboring bitterness or resentment towards this company. And we can all think about that on an individual level or whatever way is relevant to, uh, whoever's listening. Um, but you said, you know, we can be better than that. We, and, and oftentimes the, the kind of, um, cliche phrase that you hear is be the big, be the bigger man, right? Be the better person, right? But I, I think the Bible would describe it in a different way. And I'm thinking about first Corinthians chapter six, um, in context there, what Paul's talking about is, um, grievances that were happening within the church where certain members of the church wronged other members of the church and the wronged party was actually taking the people who wronged them to, to court. And so, you know, in, in your Bibles, uh, starting over verse one, it would uh, it would give you the heading, you know, lawsuits among believers or whatever. And so, the principle here, he says, essentially, don't don't sue other Christians. That's that's kind of what he's talking about in context here. Um, but what's interesting is that he says, um, uh, you know, brothers are going against brothers in uh, in court, and that before unbelievers. Verse seven is kind of the key here, though. So this is the principle behind the the lawsuit thing, which was the context that it was happening. But here's the principle. Verse 7, he says, to have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat to you. He says, why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? But you yourselves wrong and you defraud even to your own brothers. So the principle here is essentially saying, you know, when you're wronged, whatever that looks like, um, he says, you can take revenge, you can repay evil for evil, 
But it's not just about be the better person or be the bigger man here. What he's saying is that you can just absorb this offense. Like why why not just be wronged? Why not just be defrauded? Why not the, mm. be the be the one who takes the loss here? And so we can kind of dress that up and say, oh, be the be the, be the, be the bigger man. But the way Paul says it is essentially just just absorb this one. Don't don't look for justice here. Like don't don't look for the comeuppance. Don't don't look for an opportunity to use this to your advantage. Don't look for uh, restitution here. Just be wronged. Just be defrauded. And uh, and the point here is again, Christ is our example. Christ was the one who took our offense on himself, even though he had committed no offense. And he who knew no sin became sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. So, um, so the point here is sometimes in forgiveness, we just have to take the loss. We just have to be wronged, and we have to absorb the offense rather than take the offense and offend with it. Yeah, and it's important to remember, like the Bible tells us, it's Micah, Micah seven tells us that God delights to show mercy and to forgive. Um, so if he delights in showing mercy, he's going to delight in us show, doing this for, for each other. If you guys forgive me for my summer's bee addiction, like that, <laughs> God's going to delight in the fact that you forgive me for that. If we, if we suffer the offense and forgive, God's going to delight in, in that idea, right? There's a reason in the Lord's Prayer, multi, multiple times he points out to forgive each other as yeah. we were forgiven. It's the, it's the only thing in the Lord's Prayer that's emphasized again at the end. Jesus pointed it out again as we get there. And the reason is because this is a fundamental thing that we need to do. This is this is a gospel issue. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like your heart, heart condition as we talk, your thing. Here we go. <laughs> Your willingness to forgive <laughs> is an ex- is an outward example of your understanding of what God has done for you already and right. your regenerate nature now because forgiveness is simply an outward expression of what's already happened to you. Right. And that's and I think that's a really important distinction because it it would be easy for us to pick out these verses at the end of the parable we were talking about. I think that's in Matthew 18 when he talks about the the unforgiving servant. At the end of that he says, you know, um, you know, if if you don't forgive essentially I'm paraphrasing here he says then my heavenly father in heaven will not forgive you. Right? And in that in the Lord's prayer right afterwards Jesus kind of qualifies it and he, and he says um, uh, right after he says, you know, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, he basically Jesus then goes on after the Lord's Prayer to describe it. He says, like, if you forgive others their trespasses, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you don't, then he won't. And so it'd be very easy for us to cherry pick these verses and kind of say, oh, you know, basically what this is teaching is if you don't forgive others, you're going to hell. That's not really what he's saying. I think the point here is that forgiveness is one of the fruits that proves that it's a it's a it's a good tree as opposed to a bad tree, right? So the mm. point here is that the the one of the fruits of the fact that you've been shown mercy is the fact that you can show mercy to others. So it's not that if you don't forgive somebody, you're going to hell, but the point is, is if you live your life and, and it's not characterized by the ability to show mercy, it's not characterized by the ability to forgive, then one would question whether or not you've actually been a recipient of the, of the true mercy and the grace of God. Yeah, and if we if we carry on in Matthew, that's in Matthew six that Jesus says that. Yeah, you get to Matthew seven, which is that one of the most terrifying passages of Scripture. It's the not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. 
And so this is the kicker for me is these two verses. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then the Lord will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. Notice the thing that isn't there is they didn't say, and we forgave others right. in your in your mercy. We showed grace to others. Right. And I know that you can sometimes say you're reading too much into a verse, but I think that's because we know that Matthew 6 comes before Matthew 7. Right. We can reasonably say, well, the difference in the person who's doing mighty works and all those things in someone's name is that they weren't understanding of the gospel and the grace that had been given to them. They were outwardly doing the right things, but not from the right heart condition, which is forgiveness, mercy, and things like that. And I think that's important if we start thinking of it that way as you said nate forgiveness shows the transformation that's in our heart on an outward on an outward nature it shows that the tree is good and that the fruit is from a good tree right yeah it's not what you say it's what you do exactly it's back to batman back to batman (laughs) it's uh it's it's being able to to sort of i think and this goes back to what we talked about last time i was on going back to that that kind of it's natural to want revenge. Like that is the first thing that happens. If someone hits yeah. you, what do you do? You turn around, you go like, it's, it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a natural response. You yeah. go to turn around and strike back. It's, it's a, it's a defense mechanism. And I, I think that, that forgiveness is hard, just like <laughs> every other aspect of, of, of trying to, to live through Christ is hard because um, it's fighting against the inherent natural predisposition to, to sin to right. like I would I would put it to not be Christianese it's not a you know it's it's that you have a defense mechanism as a as an animal to to defend yourself without question you're right. attacked you defend yourself and forgiveness is that ability to say I can be can be acting for good and I think forgiveness is one of those things where in order for the word spread across the world, we need to be able to get past all of the petty arguments that we get into. And forgiveness is like the first step to that is being able to say, you know what? It doesn't matter who is right or who is wrong here. What matters is the word and Christ and our, our ability to try to get past this and work together. Right. And that's not easy, but that's what it's, I think that's what it's getting at. I think that's the lesson you're supposed to take away from, I mean, Jesus dying on the cross and the message being, I'm not going to punish you for this. You're actually going to, this is a good thing, right. even though you did a terrible thing. Right. But it, there will be a good that comes from it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's an important thing to keep in, keep in mind for sure. Um, and I, I think that, um, so in talking about forgiveness, one other just kind of last piece of advice that um, I give in terms of forgiving is we all know that there are people in our lives that are harder to to forgive than others, right? There there are people in our lives that we've, you know, purpose to do life with. For some of us, maybe the easier person to forgive is our spouse. Maybe for some of us, that's the harder person. But we recognize that um, there are some people who we would feel as though they always hurt us or they habitually hurt us or they're constantly against us. And I would just say that's just, if you use biblical language, you know, they're your enemy. And what does Jesus tell us to do about our enemies? He, he actually tells us to love your enemies, and then he shows us what love for your enemies looks like. It says, pray for those who persecute you. So I would say to anyone who's really harboring for uh, uh, bitterness over unforgiveness, 
there's an there's this enemy in your life who has done something to harm you, done something to wrong you. And so maybe you've been listening to us and, and your ability to um, surrender your right to revenge or your inability to recognize how much you've been forgiven and therefore that causes you to forgive this person or your inability to just absorb this def- offense and let them get away with it in your own mind. I would just say the reason you're struggling with that is because you are not doing what Jesus told you to do in order to love your enemy. They're your enemy, but you have to love your enemy. And how do you love your enemy? You pray for them. So I would just, I would just encourage you, if, if you are struggling with forgiveness, then um, then think about that person that you're harboring that that resentment towards, that bitterness towards. And every single day, every single day, pray, think about the things that they need in their lives. And you might say, you know, they, they might need more grace. They might need more, you know, righteousness. They might need whatever, whatever it is that they need. And we, we, it's very easy to assess certain people's needs. Pray that they get the things that they need in their life. And I promise you that God will work on your heart because this is one of those supernatural things in the Christian life that as you pray that that person receives the things that they need in their life, God will change your heart towards that person and slowly that enemy will be won over and you'll be able to forgive them. And maybe your ability to show them mercy and forgiveness is what um, penetrates their heart with the gospel message that God can also forgive them. Yeah, that, that's a great discussion, boys. So thanks for coming in the studio again here, Kobe. Nate, as always, a pleasure. Um, if you're struggling with forgiveness, best advice we can give you, the Christian life hack for this would be to start praying that God would change your heart towards your enemies. If you can, if you start praying that, he is faithful to answer the call if we ask him. Um, so as always, that was a great discussion. Um, if you like what you heard, feel free to comment on our Facebook or on Twitter. Reach out to us. The Rebels love getting back to questions and we'll always interact with that. Um, And if you're listening to us on iTunes, Facebook, feel free to like, share, and give us a rating on iTunes. This stuff helps tremendously get the gospel message out. It's not for our glory. It's to get the message of the Christ to the nations. Dat post mill styles. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, nobody's still listening at this point. Have a great one, guys. Peace. Thanks, guys. See ya.